Welcome to episode three of I'll Take Three, a movie treasure hunt. I am your co-host, Alex, and we are on to the third out of three episodes on our first theme, um, covering American Graffiti this week for our theme of great movie soundtracks. Um, And I am flanked by my co-host, Jacob. Hey, guys, what's happening? And the beautiful Kristen. Hello. Wait, what's my adjective? I didn't get. Did I get an <laughs> adjective? Um, the non-descriptive Jacob. Nice. Hey, that's better than anything I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this week uh, is is the movie that I have chosen for our theme, um, the George Lucas film American Graffiti. Uh, and I think it has um, an awesome soundtrack uh, filled with songs from late 50s, early 60s. Um, so, you know, before we kind of hop into some of the information about the movie, I figured we could kind of just go around and, you know, talk about our experiences watching this movie. Um, and I will start with Kristen. What's wh- What was your, like, first experiences with this film? Um... I saw it when I was a teenager, I think. Um, I think I saw it after I already had seen Dazed and Confused. And that's one of my all-time favorite movies. And um, I like how it just uh, has like a, like just a day in li- in a life of a teenager. Like it's just like following them, whatever they're doing. Um, and it's always cool to see like previous decades. And so that... I, like immediately made it one of my favorites because it was just like a day in the life of a teenager in like the late 50s awesome how about you jake my experience with american graffiti is as follows hey let's make a podcast oh great movie soundtracks oh alex is gonna pick american graffiti okay great i've heard of that movie now that alex has selected it <laughs> So, I hadn't heard of it until you picked it. Um, I am the procrastinator of the group. I waited till today to watch it. Um, watched it today. Enjoyed it. Uh, I actually thought it was interesting that uh, we went from Empire Records, where they kind of follow a group of teenagers a day in their life, and then we go to this, uh, this movie and a day in the life of these kids from a different generation, um, a couple decades earlier than in Empire Records, um, which I thought was kind of cool. Kind of just to see. Not to mention, two. we started with Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist following a night in the life of some teenagers um, in the late 2000s. So we've we got a we got a whole uh, spread of dates here. <laughs> we really all kind of honed in on the same type of uh, movie, a coming of age story with music as a uh, a big factor. Uh, just yeah, in a different time time area. Could have fit into multiple themes, I suppose. Um, but yeah, our choices. I, I like too. We went backwards in time. We went from the 2000s to the 90s to the early 60s, late 50s. So, and that makes sense because you're an old man. <laughs> well, my experience with this movie, um, I first watched it earlier this year, actually. So it was one um, I had never seen. I'd I'd heard of, and I know it was one Kristen had mentioned before that she really liked. Um, she almost picked it for our family's uh movie club that we were um you know rocking we um 
didn't choose this movie and then it was one I I wanted to see so I saw it on HBO Max and decided to check it out. Um <laughs> Sorry. What Sorry. what happened? No. I'm being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris and I were uh we were interacting over Skype via oh, man. <laughs> Vietnam sorry. verbal I'm communication. Sorry. I'm sorry. Vietnam. <laughs> what? V- via non-verbal communication. <laughs> oh. Vietnam. Vietnam. We were we were reenacting Vietnam with shadow puppets. <laughs> that's what I thought you were talking about. Um, that's funny. So, yeah, well, this um, this was one that just I really stuck in my head, and I, I was excited to watch it again. Cool. Um. Let me see. I'm trying to look up when I first watched it. It was in July, so not too long ago, really, just a few months ago. Um, yeah, so I figure we can, you know, kind of talk through. Th- I have some some good notes on this movie because it has an interesting um, story on how it came to be, um, and how George Lucas, uh, you know, managed to do this movie in between two sci-fi films. So definitely interesting. And then we can kind of jump into the story and talk through the story and the songs. Lead the way, Captain. <laughs> Please call me um, Han Solo. No, I, I'm waiting. <laughs> I don't. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Jacob, for some reason, thinks Star Wars is boring. Boo. I don't understand. St- Star Wars is boring. Boo! <sighs> you're boring. <laughs> don't at me. Don't at me. I, I, uh, I, we are at you. I'm having I've, everybody at you. <laughs> I gave him. I gave him a chance. I tried to watch the original based on released, based on release date, released. Um, the original really released once. Watched the first one. Uh, fell asleep. Fell asleep. Tried it again. Watched the whole thing. Was bored the whole time. Watched the second one. Fell asleep. Tried it again. Oh my fell gosh. asleep. Tried it again. Fell asleep. Gave up. So I gave it multiple chance. Like I tried. I couldn't. It was. I couldn't do it. I was I was off work last week and turned on Star Wars one morning because I was like I don't feel like uh, I was in a Star Wars mood because we had just finished watching The Mandalorian, and man, it's so good. I don't know how you don't like it. But anyway, this episode is not about Star Wars, although this and movie has. Will be. Um, I guess it's just the George Lucas feel. It feels um, a lot like a Star Wars, you know, the t- the young people finding their way. Um, but anyway, so this movie um, came about. George Lucas was, you know, good, really good friends with France for- Francis Ford Coppola, um, famed director of films not at yet at the time that would come to be of The Godfather, Godfather 2, Apocalypse Now, uh, Jack, starring Robin Williams, but not so much that one. <laughs> I just think it's crazy he directed that movie. Um, but he, so George Lucas, his first film was called THX 1138. And it was a very out there sci-fi film. And so Francis Ford Coppola challenged George Lucas uh, to write a script that, you know, would be more appealing to just mainstream audiences. And so this was one that George Lucas um, thought of because it really embraced his childhood. Not really childhood, but young adulthood and teenagehood of living in a small town in California. And that cruising culture um, that you see in this movie with with vehicles and stuff like that. Um, And it was one where he really wanted to to make a movie um that he could use a lot of music into and so this is one of the first films that kind of did not use any type of a score 
but only used um, radio songs, you know, to to provide music throughout the movie. That's pretty interesting. Um, and on on that, I think I read somewhere that like they they budgeted like ninety thousand dollars for the soundtrack, and they used all of that on the rights for the music, so they couldn't do an original soundtrack because they ran out of money. Oh wow. He but so he did that songs. on purpose because he wanted just like radio music. I thought I was reading something on here where it said that they uh, wanted him to use a because they, they didn't want to pay for the rights, so they wanted them to use an orchestra to replay the songs, right? And make them kind of their own thing. But uh, he didn't want to do that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that the studios wanted him to change about these this movie um, because it, you know it was a low budget movie, so. They wanted to, you know, strip away anything that they saw as waste of money um, to just have the, just the stripped down movie. You got the total budget there, buddy? Yeah, this um, film originally was going to have a smaller budget too, but Francis Ford Coppola ends up signing on, um, which, as a producer. And so the, um, the, uh, the film studio added to the budget, but the total budget ended up being 770000 so very small i mean even because this movie came out in the early 70s um 1973 um and i saw on here inflation probably around four to five million dollars now is what it would have been so even that small in the movie nowadays and the movie ended up grossing 140 million dollars at the box office so it was a huge hit um it was one of the when you look at cost to profit margins it's one of the um greatest in in any movie history and they the film industry has cited this movie as kind of one of those first movies that really started the summer blockbuster trend too because it was one that just caught on throughout the summer um but so as far as the movie went he um you know he started writing the movie uh had some people help him to get the film set and it ended up being something where he had like a three-hour story and he had to trim it down to just under two hours um and they were the studios originally uh were wanting to do it as a tv film and not release it in theaters and so he had to really fight for that and having coppola sign on to produce helped to to secure that and universal studios eventually agreed to release it and they gave him um after fighting with him you know kind of final cut they only cut, I think, four four minutes of total um, scenes that he had put in the final film, and they ended up getting put back into this film. Um, the scene where um, Toad is sees the um, the used car salesman. Um, God, should have wrote these down. Uh, there's two other scenes. I'll come to those. But yeah, they um, and then they got put back into the movie. <laughs> Um, and then this was one when they started to cast the movie. They really he he took a long time to cast the movie. He saw, met with h- hundreds of kids, including um, Mark Hamill from Star Wars. He auditioned for this movie too. Did not make it. Poor guy. I wonder what he's yeah, doing now. Poor poor guy. <laughs> His life is uh, in shambles because of this. Oh, I saw him in a Uber Eats commercial. That was <laughs> really funny, actually. That was the guy. That was the guy from uh, Queer Eye. No, he's in one too. But there's one with Mark Hamill too. Have you seen that one? 
Yeah, I have. I was just. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's um he does the one with um Patrick Stewart, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're arguing about e- ordering food and getting it cheap or something like that. That's funny. Um, but yeah, then the soundtrack had um like forty two, forty three songs on it, and they ended up putting out an official soundtrack that had, I think, forty one of the songs on it too so they got the rights not only for the movie but to put out as a soundtrack too for most of the music which was huge because a lot of soundtracks that they probably have like half the music they actually put in the movie on the soundtrack itself so they really got to um showcase the music in this movie 41 songs is a long long soundtrack (laughs) it's good stuff though I i like the music this late um you know, 50s music. I love, like, Stand By Me. I love the music in that movie. It's just so so upbeat and enjoyable. You can't help but have fun with it, especially second-to-last song in the soundtrack, Jacob. I know you probably heard it. It has the guy going, Ba-do-do-ba-do-do-ba-do. Yeah, that's my... Uh, I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love doing that. I, I, took, um, I took note. Cool. Uh so yeah, this was a long process getting this movie put together, and it was you know George Lucas is known for his sci-fi films, but this was one he kind of did mainstream, and I think it's probably one of my favorite of his movies for sure. So we'll we'll definitely get into it. Um, do you guys have anything to add? No. No. No, okay. I do not have anything to add. All right, cool. Well, let's dive into the movie here. Um, so the film starts with, you guys got to stop just shaking your heads because <laughs> it's throwing me off. Sorry, man. Um, film starts, uh, showcasing the sundown at Mel's diner and you hear the radio come on at XERB is the call letters and rock around the clock is playing. And you see the title cards, you know, who's starring in the movie. I know first thing I noticed was starring Ronnie Howard, not just Ron Howard as one of the characters. I didn't even notice that. Yep. And he plays Steve um, opposite Steve. uh, You know, we also have Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfuss. I know him from a movie that we uh, we did have in our movie club. Close Encounters of the Third Third Kind, which I just watched. So that was cool. For me to be like, oh man, he's so young here. I know. There's some yeah. younger to Dreyfus. Um, I don't know, man. He could get it. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Is that I, the way I thought this podcast was going to go today. <laughs> <laughs> it, just something about him. Him in this movie, Jaws, Close Encounters, um, Stand by Me, even a little later as the author. Um, I, I really love Richard Dreyfus. As he got older, he got more. Cranky seeming and less and that, enjoyable. And that got you even more more ready to go. <laughs> but uh, no, I like Young Earth to Dreyfus. And then you got Paul Lamont playing John Milner, who we'll get to see in just a few seconds. Um, yeah, you've got a lot of stars in this in the movie that, or you know, ones who not necessarily started as stars but got to or were stars then that earned some star stardom later on. I think I think you're missing the biggest star in the whole movie. Who's that? Wolf Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack. I can't do a Wolfman Jack. You got one? I got nothing. You're not even going to make an attempt? 
<laughs> no, I'm not gonna embarrass myself. <sighs> I got fan. I got fans out there that don't that aren't ready for it. For embarrassing embarrassment. Yeah, because yeah, they won't stick by me. I know it. But Kristen, I want to hear your Wolfman check. I can't do one. <sighs> I was trying to earlier and it wasn't working. <laughs> Wolfman Jack, baby. See, I oh have, no. I should have practiced. I didn't even try to do it before. So I definitely <laughs> not gonna try it now for the first time. But yeah, we got a few other people we'll we'll mention who show up in this movie too. Also, um, opposite Steve is Laurie, um, as as Laurie is Cindy Williams, who played Shirley in Laverne and Shirley too. Um, yeah, so f- right up, you know at at the bat, you kind of see these people in the um, the parking lot. You're getting introduced to the characters, and you find out um, these friends, uh, Steve and Kurt, um, are both supposed to be going off to college together and steve is super excited to go he's yeah he's he says we finally got out of this turkey town he's pumped yeah he's ready to leave and kurt's kurt's not sure he wants to go he kind of sounds like he wants to stick around um and he's got a, a scholarship from the moose lodge which i assume it's like an elk's lodge situation um to go and so he's kind of they're supposed to leave the next day um to go to off to college back east um and they're they're uh the car pulls in that belongs to Lori, and that car is like my dream car i swear that 50s with a two-tone on the car uh, there's something about that a long body um i like that chevy bel-air style car that if I could have any car, it would be like a restored version of, of something like that with that, especially kind of a blue and white color to it. I really like that. That's pretty cool. What would be your dream car, Kristen? Um, I'd have to say the Vespa that the character Toad drives <laughs> and when he runs into the wall, because that would be me trying to drive a Vespa. So that's... Out of any car you could have, or out of this movie? No, it's got to. We got now. We got to go play by the rule that it's got to be a dream car from this movie. Oh, oh gosh. Okay, that's it then. Well, the Vespa for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm gonna go with. Oh gosh, I'm gonna go with uh, the the black car that that uh, is in town, but driven by the cowboy. The Bob cowboy Falfa. Guy. Bob Falfa. Thank you. I was, all I could think of was Alfalfa, and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> it's not far <laughs> off though. I was like, this is not right. He does not have that hair. Um, but yeah, same time Lori pulls in, we have uh, Toad pulling in on the Vespa and crashing <laughs> into the wall of the diner. Which that was totally unscripted. Um, I read that that actually happened. The actor accidentally drove the Vespa into the wall. And George Lucas and them liked it so much that they kept it in the film. It's funny. That is good. That character, or that actor plays that character um, so real. It feels like he <laughs> really is Toad. And that actor, by the way, is Charles Martin Smith. Charles Martin Smith. CMA, CMS. Good old CMS. He looks so different now. I mean, he looks the same, but he looks different. I guess that's the way age works, huh? <laughs> I, I haven't studied it. Age? Yeah. yeah I've, never, stu- I've never looked into it. I don't think it'll affect me. Okay. Hey, there he is. Look at that guy. Doesn't he? You can see the toad face, but it looks so he, look, he looks way different. 
It looks like you could be uh, uh, on Dirty Jobs or something. On Dirty Jobs? <laughs> yeah. I got a, I got a Mike Rowe vibe from him. Oh, oh man. man. Isn't that his name? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah, and so, um, you know, they're at, they're at the diner, and then you also have them talking about this character, John Milner, in town, who's kind of this uh, guy who's been around for a while, and he's... You know, he's a, a hot shot in town, but he, they talk about him like, you really are going to get stuck here like him. Um, so he's he's kind of seen as the guy who has always been the the big fish in the little pond who just never left. Um, and he pulls into the, the diner shortly after that in his, his yellow hot rod. And that car looks awesome. Yeah, that's a cool looking car. When that pulled up, I was like, what does this kid do for a living that he got this car? This is just, it seems like all they they did. It must have been, um, you know, you didn't have any anything else to spend your free time money doing. And then in California, this cruising culture, hot rod culture was so big, too. You probably right. spent all your time. And he worked at the, you know, body shops and stuff. So he could get, you know, the materials and stuff he would need to rebuild a car because i this is probably like a 30s 40s car that he was driving let me ask you a question and this is just occurring to me at this moment <laughs> do they do they talk about family at all in this movie um not not a ton no okay i wasn't sure if this is fast and the furious or not <laughs> <laughs> it's family i thought you were going to talk about the godfather family no, Corleone family. Um, yeah, and so they, you know, they kind of see John um, pull in and talk to him. Um, you know what he's got going on. They mention that there's a a car who's supposed to be looking way, for him. Mm-hmm. I just want to put out there that I had the hugest crush on John when I first saw this movie. Oh, really? I thought he was really cute. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I think he Paul Lamont as John Miller. I think he steals like the the movie. I think he's got the best arc. I'm just gonna put that out there now. Whoa. <coughs> um, yeah. So we find out he's got there's somebody in, new in town who's looking for him because he's like the the one the ra- the biggest hot racer um, in town. He's got the nicest car. Went you know can beat anybody off the the line so to speak. So there's supposedly somebody looking for him and he. He doesn't seem that interested in it, so you kind of are wondering why. Because he's the best, duh. <laughs> um, and then, then we hear on the radio, Wolfman Jack, is when we first hear him come in to introduce 16 Candles, the song. I liked Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack, uh, when he came on, and you know, I was like, man, I listen to this radio station. It's a cool radio station. I know. And Jack. And there's something about this back then. I mean, it shows you how big radio was, especially stuff like this for teenagers, because, um, you know, everybody's listening to this station. Um, they're listening to the Wolfman Jack show throughout the night. Like, it was must see, you know, must hear, I should say. Yeah, must see, must see radio. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen those pictures of the family sitting around the living room staring at the radio? Yeah, it's not that far off. Yeah, I was. I took that picture. 
You took the picture? Yeah, it was me and my little uh, my little stick figure family by a radio. It's like a boombox. No, I put it black and white. It was nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and so next thing that really happens in the movie, you know, they're at the drive-in, the the restaurant, and they are having their dinner because um, you know the night is is really starting to fall, and Steve and Lori are uh, you know high school sweethearts. And Lori's still in high school. Steve's, you know, supposed supposed to be going off to college uh, the next day. And he's really excited about it. So he tells her that he thinks it's best for their relationship that they see other people when he's off to college. He still wants to keep dating, but they should see other people while he's gone. (laughs) He's like, I think it'll show us whether we really love each other. Not that there's any doubt about it. like... (laughs) But we should definitely just. We need on. to do this, yeah. Um, and you could tell this is not what she she wanted to hear. So this really, you know, affects the way their interactions. Well, she sees go. right through it. That's why it's because, like, well, why should we see other people if we are so in love with each other? Like you say. Mm-hmm. Men. Men. Men are pigs. <laughs> As we'll find out throughout this whole movie. Um. And uh, then you also have um, Toad trying to chase around the uh, the waitress from the diner and talk her into going out on a date. And then, um, you know, when Steve and Lori get out of their car, Steve is not going to take his car with him back t- to college. So he tells Toad, hey, you use my car while I'm gone. And so Toad, man, he is super excited. He, um, he's going to spend the night you know, finally hot rodden instead of riding on his Vespa. Cool. Um, next, uh, you know, thing that we're, we really see is, uh, we get introduced to the, you know, driving the strip and this, um, you know, that cruising cultures. Cause that's, that's all they have to do. It seems like, I think this first scene where they start driving down this road, they're like driving next to each other and talking to each other while they're driving. It was, I think that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. It was just so cool to watch that. I know. I was was not ready for it and it happened. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Why is it this like what we do every day? Like this would be cool. I know. It's things like this. um, And I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like nostalgia for something that you've never experienced. Like, you wish you could have had stuff like that. Yeah. It seems so so simple and like everybody knew each other and like I don't know, it just seemed connected in a way that doesn't feel like we have now. Right. I know we're all let's just text each other or FaceTime each other. There's yeah. Driving in a car, you're seeing you're seeing people's personality through their cars too, like that's that's something else that is really cool. Well, when I first saw this, it was around the time that I did get a car when I was a teenager. Um, And living in our little town, (laughs) uh, we didn't have a whole lot to do. And a lot of the time we like I remember driving around with friends and that's all we did was drive around and listen to music because we didn't want to go home. But we had nowhere else to go. So we just drove around. And sometimes you'd run into your friends 
on the on the street or at a gas station or something and it was just fun like it just reminded me so much of that it's kind of like remnants of of this um you know not everyone's out doing it you're not just running to somebody on the road and talking to them but yeah i i miss driving around like that too um yeah so they're driving the strip uh toad is in, you know driving steve's car um uh, feeling like a big man and then <laughs> somebody pulls up next to him and moons him you know, that's hilarious um and then you know you have steve and lori are still driving together and kurt's in the back seat richard dreyfus's character and uh, he's they pull up to a stop and a white t-bird thunderbird pulls up next to him with this beautiful blonde and he is just ooh la la yeah he is um completely awestruck and you know she kind of smiles and and waves at him um and he needs he wants to find out who this is and uh this um woman in the blonde car is actually played by Suzanne Summers um early on in her career and so uh, a big th- you know, threat of this movie is him trying to find out who this is and track her down. Um, cause he is just, um, in love with her from first sight. He's awestruck. And during that scene too, um, the song that's playing is why do fools fall in love by Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. And I thought that was just so fitting because he like immediately falls in love with this blonde. <laughs> and he only like saw like just her face. She didn't even say it. Like he didn't hear her voice, anything. But it's like the song choice for that moment was like perfect. Right. Um, and then you also get to see John Milner driving his hot rod down, um, you know, the, the main street. And he's passing a car with um, some, you know, beautiful young g- girls, women in the car and trying to get them um, interested in him. And I, you know, some of the, just the the language um, I really noticed in their interaction too. I'm like, you hear that uh, 50s, 60s slang. Um, you know, they they start asking uh, John if he knows somebody, and the girl is like, oh, I think that guy's totally boss. Totally boss. I love that word, boss. <laughs> I remember um, that became like a a hipster thing to say. Um, back in like the the late 2000s like the hipster kids would say things were boss do you remember that at all nope oh well (laughs) maybe it was just me i remember bruce springsteen kept saying i'm the boss (laughs) i don't think he would ever say i'm the boss oh have you ever been alone in a closet with bruce springsteen he's constantly yelling i'm the boss (laughs) i know um uh, another boss, Cake Boss. Oh. Cake Boss? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then the girl, so John's, you know, trying to get her. To, he's like, why don't you come ride with me for a little bit? Because that's how you would, you know, kind of meet girls, I guess, in this town, this cruising. You know, just, hey, come ride with me. Come, let's let's hang out. And she's like, no, I'm I'm going steady with with this guy. <laughs> and that going steady too is is another old slang way of of uh, you know saying that you're seriously dating somebody. Yeah, I like that. But uh, uh Judy's sister's ready to ready to come along. 
Yeah, Judy's little sister. And John's like, yeah, she can come bring Judy, Judy's little sister, her mom, whatever. <laughs> and uh, and so she hops out of the car, hops in, and turns out it's Judy's little sister, Carol, is probably like a 13, 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah, she is young. And he's like, what? This is not what I signed up for. So <laughs> he wants to, you know, get her back to her sister, but they're long gone. And uh, somebody else drives up to him that recognizes him. And he's like, get down and shoves <laughs> shoves her down. Her head lands in his lap. And she's like, is this what they call copping a feel? <laughs> he's like, what? No. <laughs> so he's very embarrassed by this whole thing. Um, being stuck in. He's got, you know, a 13, 14 year old. Um, in the car, so. How old is he? He's probably in his m- mid twenties, I'd guess. I think I or had a hard hard time throughout the movie, kind of getting a good age range on every single person. Well, you know, um, Kurt and Steve are uh, just graduated. The, you know, a few months before. Yeah. Um. So they're gonna be college freshmen. Lori and Toad, I'd imagine, are probably seniors um so is it, going is to it, be seniors is this like the summer between mm-hmm. okay i read a thing that said that they kind of put it like like in august or september like it's right before school starts right yeah so i think to i mean if i'm um, not told if john knows these you know these guys he might have been like a a junior or senior when they were younger so he's probably in his early 20s maybe mid 20s um, and he's just really well known um, somewhere. I'd say somewhere in that range. So he's definitely, an, you know, older for this lifestyle. And, you know, that's kind of that, that. And that's the vibe that they talked about. You know, or you want to be like him stuck in the town pretending to be young. Yeah. That typical guy that gets the quarterback or whatever that gets stuck at the school yeah. or, you know, keeps or the Matthew with- McConaughey and dazed and confused. Matthew McConaughey and the Lincoln commercials. <laughs> I was thinking more of the all right, all right, all right. No? Okay. <laughs> never heard of that. I never heard him say that. <laughs> Kristen, you're not speaking up about days and confused. Isn't this supposed to be like I know, your favorite I'm sorry. Movie? But yes, you're 100% correct that he's like Matthew McConaughey and days and confused. All right. What about There's what about validation? What about not what the said, Lincoln Kristen? commercials. No. <laughs> True, true detective? Up. Is he? No, no? Not like that at all? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll get the Matthew McConaughey from uh, whatever I said. <laughs> the Lincoln <laughs> commercials. <laughs> from the Lincoln commercials. Thank you. Um, and so, the, you know, this, the way this movie is, it's one of those types of movies where you are f- going to follow these characters and it's going to jump back and forth. And so... Uh, it'll follow these you know, these four main storylines, I'd say. You have, you know, the Steve and Lori, um, Kurt, uh, John and Carol, and then, um, you know, John and Bob Falfa, we'll find out. And then Toad. And Toad and Toad. Debbie, too. We'll get interested to Debbie. Um, and then, yeah, we get back to Toad, and he's, uh, he's <laughs> you know, he really wants to be a John Milner type. So he pulls up at a red light and wants to race this guy. You know, they start revving. Um, he keeps revving his engine at people throughout <laughs> the movie. 
And then the left turn light turns green and he starts to take off <laughs> and he's, he's supposed to go straight. And so he's out halfway in the intersection, has to come back in reverse. And then the light turns green and they st- decide to go, but he's never taken the car out of reverse. <laughs> so he backs up into the car and the guy hops out and, you know, it's like, excuse me, I, I think we've had an accident. And so it's like, well, God damn it. I won't report it, but don't let it happen again. <laughs> oh. That was awesome. I was going to use that next time. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's, he knows he's the, and so he takes off and the guy's like, what, what the hell just happened? Who, who just got, you know, hit by toad and toad w- wants to get out of there and wants to hop out, you know, take a breath, find out what's happening. That's when he stops at the used car salesman. And yeah, and the, the, guy, the used car salesman comes out, and he's talking fast, and he is slick, and he is about to get he's about to get towed in this new Corvette for a little payment of $98 a month. That's that's $98 down and $98 a month. And I like he's, um, he's like, I'd like to give you $1,000 for this car. I can't do it, but I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> Toad's like, well, let me get the hell out of here. He's, the guy won't leave, you know, won't stop talking to him. And Toad hops in the car. He's like, leave me alone for God's sakes. <laughs> oh, man. Car salesman. Uh, um, so we jump from from that uh, to the, the the hop at the school. So they're having a, you know, a, a kind of a end of the year for the graduating seniors plus new you know the the new year for the students on and they're gonna have a dance um, right before the school year let's go do the hop so just real quick um watching this movie again this time i just noticed that they all have their shoes off i it came to realization to me that i don't know what a sock hop is <laughs> so i looked it up <laughs> It is called a sock cop because they take all their shoes off because they wanted to protect the gymnasium floor. Oh. So I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I finally know what that means. I had no idea. It's so funny that I've, I've seen this movie multiple times and it now just occurred to me that they didn't have any shoes on. <laughs> I never I n- thought of that. I didn't know the term sock hop, but I noticed that they didn't have shoes on and I wrote down, I bet it stinks in that room. I never thought of that. I just thought sock hop was, you know, we're having a ball. We're having a hop. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But I looked it up and it's, they literally took their shoes off to protect the gymnasium floor. (laughs) That's cool. Um, And then, yeah, you've got the uh, kind of that swing dancing meld, uh, you know, from earlier times with the 50s dancing happening here. Um, So you've got kind of some different dance styles going on. Um, I saw my guy doing his solo dancing by himself. That would have been me, because that's I don't know how to dance. I wish uh, I wish you would do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> I um, wrote down, I wrote down uh, the age of the group of the people at this dance feels crazy to me. I don't know why, but when they were growing over kind of the crowds, I felt like there mm-hmm. were people there were there were like twelve people there there were like. 25 there's some people there that were like 40 it just well, they, like a they called it a freshman hop when they were at back at mel's diner so i'm sure there's 
they've got like a variety of ages. Yeah, it's it's probably like a a way to get the freshmen introduced to the the high school, I bet. And so, but you know, there's not a lot to do in the town too, so everybody's showing up. It's true. Um, and then you've got you know some classic bathroom scenes. the The girls are in the bathroom, and Lori's, uh, you know, trying to get um, talk to her friends about the whole Steve wanting to date other people situation. She doesn't want to do it. And then you have Steve in the bathroom, <laughs> uh, and he's like sitting next to the guy at the sink, and this guy's putting zip makeup on, and he's ready to tell everybody about it. Um, he's like, Hey, this guy's using, z-. and it's like, well, no, shut up, shut up. And then Steve's like, let me see that for a second. And he starts putting <laughs> it on his own zits. And then somebody yells cherry bomb and, uh, blows up the cherry bomb in the toilet. Oh gosh. Which like a mess. It seems like that was, uh, must've been this 50s, 60s thing. Cause you used to see that in movies a lot. Like people blowing up toilets for some reason. Yeah, I don't get that. Never appealed to me. To blow up a toilet? <laughs> I mean, I do it every morning. But <laughs> not in that way. Oh, my gosh. Um, and you have the band uh, playing at this, uh, you know, the sock hop, and they're they're playing a lot of these good hits. And it's a nice uh, way to, to go from you have the radio, you know, as providing the soundtrack through the night, but then when they're out of their cars and away from the radio, you've got the band doing it too so you're always with with music throughout this movie yeah it's a nice thread cool and then um you know steve and Lori they start fighting at the dance um steve wants to go dance and Lori says you know says no and you, you really start to see things are gonna um build Unravel and build because of this them, yeah, yeah. Um, which he was a total jerk he was like i said i want to dance and it's like you didn't even ask her (laughs) you just demanded like let's dance (laughs) this whole movie i feel like the way that the the males speak to the females in the movie is just like you do this now because i'm the man or throughout a lot of this movie it's very like that very that vibes from that generation uh it's very uh totally now yeah and I mean, that's the way things were, but I also like, you know, George Lucas, I think does a good job with the female characters, except for not having a freaking, what happened to them afterwards title card at the end of the movie, which we'll get to. But I think Lori does a good job. You know, she, she gets to stand up to Steve. Um, she undermines Steve, you know, and Debbie, you know, is really her own, own person, which I like too. Um, so there's not a lot of female characters that have a, a ton of screen time but those two do and i think and carol too i think they all three have a good good job of standing up to whoever they're with you know they're their own person kurt also you know tagged along to the the sock hop and he's off uh trying to get into his old locker you know you can see he's um wanting to you know keep up with these things that he's not wanting to leave behind and i i really like this scene um, I think it's a good metaphor for the way he's feeling because he wants to stay, you know, there. He doesn't want to leave that behind. And there he is at his locker, putting in this combo that's always kept him there and he can't get into it. 
it's like a, a good way of showing, hey, this is not for you anymore. It's time to move on, buddy. So it's just a, it's super tiny scene, and I really love that scene. And then you have something super the probably the most problematic thing that happens in this movie, and this is a one of the other scenes that the studio asked him to cut out. Um, you have Kurt come up to uh, one of his probably favorite teachers, Mr. Wolf, who is just chit-chatting with a bunch of the teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And they want him to dance. And he's like, I can't dance with the, any of you sexy, I mean, s- young ladies. And so you can yeah. tell there's just a very inappropriate relationship there. I wrote um, down really, 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 really uncomfortable with dance chaperone. Yeah. I just wrote creepy teacher alert. <laughs> And, you know, he talks to, Kurt talks to Mr. Wolf, um, you know, and he's kind of a similar situation where he had left to go to school himself, but he came back to his hometown um, where they're at. Um, And, you know, he's telling Mr. Wolf that he's not sure he wants to go. And that's going to be a recurring thing for Kurt is everybody he's telling this to that he's not sure they're all pushing him. He's like, you know, you need to get out there. Um and then Mr. Wolf gets pulled aside by another female student. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start inappropriately talking closely and it looks like probably kissing. And it's just all very uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> and then you have um, an, one of the best um, songs in the movie that John Milner is not a fan of, Surf and Safari from the Beach Boys. Don't you think the Beach Boys are boss? <laughs> and I think rock and roll's gone downhill since Buddy Holly died. <laughs> yeah, he's not a fan of the surf. And this is definitely that newer, the newer style. You've got, you know, the holdovers in the soundtrack of the 50s, but then you've got that new 60s style, like the surfing music, stuff like that. Um, and then it's just another sign of, you know, John Milner's holding on to, you know, the glory days. Um, and then they get, uh, you know, pulled up, um, pulled up alongside by another car. Um, and (laughs) they, you know, roll the windows down. Um, or I think I might've forgot. No, that's later on. I'm sorry. What I wrote down is different. Um, they get get pulled over, right? Yes. Yep. I wrote shaving cream, but that comes up later too. That's That's why I thought that was that. Um, yeah, they get pulled over by a cop and the, um, you know, the He's, cop comes, go ahead. Oh, I don't remember the specifics, but I remember him, like, just, like, giving him a hard time, you know, and he's, like, that fender looks like it's a little low to the ground. It's like, it's it's regulation. They checked it last week, 12 and a half inches. It's like, measure it now. And at the end of the convo they have, he says, well, ha- ha- happy birthday. And kind of reveals it's his birthday that day. Talking about Milner. Yeah, and Milner's all, yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah. Um. And during that, Carol was, like, teasing him when he first got pulled over. Uh, yes. Like, I'm going <laughs> to tell the cop this and that. And <laughs> yeah. And he's like, please don't, please don't. <laughs> I know. He's like, because he had told Carol, you know, that she's annoying and stuff like that pretty much. And um, Carol's like, I'm going to tell him that you tried to rape me. And he's like, no, don't do that. And she's like, well, say that, uh, you know, say that I'm bitching. Because bitching is, like, super cool for their, mm-hmm. you know, their s- slang. And so he gives in and does it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he gets the ticket from the cop 
and he hands it to Carol, and he's like, "Put you know, put that in there and file it under CS." And she's like, "CS." He's like, "Yeah, chicken shit." And she opens up the glove compartment. And there's just tons of tickets <laughs> in there. And then this is the first time we see Bob Falfa um, driving. He pulls up along Toad, I think, right? Vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah. And it is none other than Harrison Ford and a big old Stetson. And he's in town looking for Milner because he knows that he's the, um, you know, the big, big he's badass big in town. Yeah. He's going to go rub his engine by him. So he's, yeah, he tells Toad, Toad tells him he's, um, you know, you can't beat Milner. Milner's the fastest guy in town and stuff like that. So you you finally get to see who's who's looking for John Milner. He's got this black car and he's ready to go. And it seems like he, he keeps cycling through different women who are riding with him in this car too. Yeah, because he's it's that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> or he keeps turning them off. Women love too. a good peel out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he I just would love never... it when guys peel out. He's a, he's that's a like, ace. That's the fella. next scene is when he meets Debbie. When Toad meets Debbie, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. My next because I have Terry the Tiger written down. <laughs> yeah, Toad and Debbie. That's a precious, so... a precious nickname. <laughs> tiger. Terry the Tiger. It's way better than being a toad. Is it? Yeah, so <laughs> I'd rather be a tiger than a toad. Yeah. <laughs> to- toad king, tiger king, toad king. Come on, Terry King, Terry King. You could be Terry. Terry, just be Terry. Ter- you could be Terry Bradshaw. That's true. You could be giving away your money. Is there another famous Terry? Terry Hatcher. Are you talking about Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> no, I'm talking about they're real and they're spectacular. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Toad meets Debbie. So Debbie's um, walking, you know, along the strip. Um, she's getting catcalled by these obnoxious guys, and Terry sees his opportunity. You know, the girl all all alone. He can talk to her, so he pulls up alongside and starts, "Hey, you need a lift." Um, trying to get her attention she's not paying him any attention and then he shouts out oh i think you look like i can't remember the name of the person you look like an actress yeah somebody famous and beautiful (laughs) and that gets her attention um she's like what you really think so and so she uh you know she wanders over to the car and she's like i i just love this upholstery um and he's like well come in i'll let you feel it and uh so she hops in the car and then she's like go ahead peel out i just love it when guys peel out (laughs) oh man come on debbie (laughs) so yeah so toad terry the tiger he's got a shot um and that's the he's always been known as toad he's like people call me the tiger terry the tiger (laughs) so he's trying to save himself from embarrassing nickname he's trying to be cool now he's got this he's got this bitching ass car he's about to peel out that car is a boss he's a tiger he's ready to go man (laughs) he's got his cat calling down (laughs) um so from there we hop back to the the sock hop and it is time for 
Steve as the outgoing school president and Lori the head cheerleader to dance. This is a uh, this is the part where I realized, hey, I think for the first time I realized that these are high school kids. Is what I wrote really? in my notes. Yep. When they were doing oh, the announcements, man. this is when I realized that they were. All, this is when I was like, "Oh yeah, these are all high school kids. I get it now." No wonder your age um, concerns yeah. were popping up. Yeah, I was confused. So you know they, they're still fighting, um, but you know to keep up appearances, especially for Lori being stuck, you know, at school for another year. Um, they go out to dance, and you know they keep fighting. Um, while they're dancing, like whispering at each other. Which that dance that they're doing, they said that it was a snowball dance, but they never break off to get other people to keep the snowball going. Oh, is that what a snowball is? Yeah, you've never been in a snowball dance before. Um, no. You didn't go to dances, did you? My dance experience, I was okay. I was, <laughs> um. You know, late 2000s, so I was an emo kid. Um, I like to say I was punk, but I was more emo than anything. So um, I was too school for cool. I was not interested <laughs> in that stuff. <laughs> you weren't interested in dances or you weren't interested in school? I w- No, I was too school <laughs> for cool. I was oh, super yeah. into school. I got good grades. Yeah, you well, said, anyways, <laughs> you said, cool. that's what a snowball dance is, is two people start and then they both break off and go get a different partner and then they all break off and go get more people. Like it just keeps bringing more and more people onto the dance floor. Kristen, will you uh, explain every kind of dance there is by the end of this podcast? No. Jacob. Uh, yeah, that's down. That's on you, Jake. What is the Sadie Hawkins dance? All right. The Sadie Hawkins dance is a song. Uh, find my video that I've made in high school on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I have black hair because I am boss. An emo. <laughs> hey, I don't want to talk about any dances with you guys. <laughs> let's, let's move. Let's move on with the movie. Um, yeah. So Lori, you know, starts crying and stuff too while they're dancing, and you really, Steve, you know, is starting to see a little bit of the damage he's causing but he's not ready to i mean he still wants what he wants at this point um and then kurt you know he's out still outside he never wandered back into the dance after talking with mr wolf um and then he runs into his ex-girlfriend wendy um and during this scene too um the band at the concert or at the concert <laughs> the band at the school dance is playing Louie Louie do 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 Louie Louie keep going why don't you guys sing some songs <laughs> I don't I don't know any of these songs we know better you guys are lame no, um, I know I know worse I don't know the songs so Kurt Kurt goes with Wendy <laughs> and her friend who's driving um you know to just go drive around that's what that's what you do that's what you know to do back then cruising um and i realize i don't know where this goes in the movie but my next thing i wrote down was go kiss a duck oh that was my next note (laughs) um i don't have that i said 
His burn cuts deep. <laughs> Who He's says like, why this you go and why do they duck? say this? <laughs> Where it's, is that? Um, it's Steve. <laughs> he said what's after um, him and Lori's like slow dance. Okay. And they're dancing together it. still. And the teacher comes up and is like, hey, you guys, stop that. Like, you're not supposed to do that here. And then he's like, hey, why don't you go kiss a duck? And then the teacher's like, you're you're suspended or whatever. And then Steve's like, I don't go here anymore. <laughs> and the, and I'd, yeah. if I were the teacher, I'd be like, well, then get the hell out of here. <laughs> what are I you know, still doing like, here, weirdo? <laughs> he, like, hesitates, the teacher does. And he realizes he has no power. <laughs> he's, there's nothing he can do. Though he's technically trespassing. Because he's not a student. I mean, sure. If... <laughs> If they wanted to. It's the fifth. It's the sixties. Nobody cares. True. You jump to Toad and Debbie rolling into Mel's driving. You know, this is probably like their uh for this town, this is like home base, I would say. Mel's driving. Wait. Uh back up. Did I so, skip something? Yeah, um, it's the scene where Kurt's with Wendy and Bobby. That's who I have that after her friend. this. Really? Is that before mm-hmm. this scene? Yep. I have and it that's written why. the opposite way. My next note is the lady at the drive-thru yells the order. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. So they order their food. Jacob, do you remember what their order is? Uh, I, Not specifically. I texted it to you. Earlier. I know. That's what I'm hoping you know. It's a, a double chubby chuck, a Mexicali chili barb, and two orders of french fries. And what do you want to drink? And two cherry, cherry cherry cokes. Two cherry cokes. Um, so they're going to eat, you know, and then uh, Debbie uh, has um, an old flame stop by at the car, Vic. Vic and, uh, you know, Toad is definitely out of his element dealing with <laughs> a guy like this. Um, but she, Little. you know, she's she gets rid of him. Um, she's not interested in him. And then she tells Terry, Toad, Tiger, that uh, she's like, why don't we get get some of the hard stuff? Mm. And so they, she's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go. And so they leave without getting their food. And the waitress shows up and is like, don't you want your your food? Yeah, she's like, they're already <laughs> gone. And she's like, but the food. <laughs> Which apparently happens multiple times. Um, and then we move to Wendy and Kurt. Yep. And he's gonna, he's gonna be in the back seat of a car. Yeah. <laughs> well, that Wendy girl obviously still has feelings for Kurt. Um, and it's so funny when he's like, "Well, why don't you come back here and we'll talk about whatever they were arguing about," and then Bobby. It's like, thanks a lot. <laughs> like, she knew <laughs> that that was going to happen. <laughs> I know. And then um, around this scene, too, is on playing on the radio is Barbara Ann. Barbara Ann. Um, great song. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Kurt and Wendy, they kind of start um, kissing a little bit in the back seat. And I feel like you guys can sing Barbara Ann. Should we do a round of Barbara Ann? Ready? Here we go. Ready? 
We can't. We're that makes sense in my notes now. I wrote ba 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 I couldn't figure out what it meant. I was trying to read my note. So what oh, does that even God. mean? Um, <laughs> you were quoting, quoting a sheep. That's what, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this sheep needs to up its vocabulary. Maybe it was a, a goat from from later on. The, the goat man? The goat killer. The goat killer, that's what it was. Um, but so, yeah, they're driving, and, and Bobby sees, you know, driving down the strip, this guy that she thinks is really cute. And she's like, hey, Kurt, you know him. Can you? Just say something to him for me. And so Kurt pulls out of the window and it's like, hey, um, Bobby just wanted me to tell you that she's madly in love with you. And the thought of your bulging triceps or biceps makes her quiver or something just super embarrassing. Got her. Got her. Pray. <laughs> and so immediately pulls over and kicks him out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> worth it i think from there we jump back to uh to john milner and carol uh they've stopped at uh at mel's themselves to get carol a a cherry coke they stopped at mel's themselves to get a cherry coke there you go you're gonna sing a a, a just a made-up song instead of all of these beautiful songs. yeah i know i'm better at these ones because i don't i don't have to, i can't mess up the lyrics <laughs> How about who wrote the book of love? Ba-da, ba-da, is that ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Is that that's the goes? song we've got now. <laughs> oh, okay, I don't, I don't, I know how that song goes because I sang what I was gonna sing, and it was not how it goes. So yeah, Milner has uh, uh, some other people, you know, come up to him who want to ask him about getting the car fixed, and you know, he's like, oh, I'm just here with my cousin. You know, talking about Carol's like a babysitting, you know. And so Ooh, she's... She don't like that? Nope. She's going to punch him. So, yeah, she gets pissed and she jumps out of the car. Um, oh, yeah, that's what happens. I thought she... Beat she him I think she hits him, him, too. Oh, okay. And she walks off. Um, You know, he's he leaves, you know, the diner and starts driving looking for her. Um, You know, he, he feels bad and... Catches up to her, um, opens the door, you know, shows that. And she's like, okay, fine. And, you know, she's just wanting to make him feel guilty. Um, and he hops in. He's like, hi, cousin. How's your bod? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you come to probably one of the best, uh, funniest scenes in the movie. And you have t- Terry at trying to get yep, the toad, trying to get somebody to buy him some, some liquor. Some hard stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's waiting outside the liquor store, like, right outside the front door. He's ready to go. Really respectable-looking businessman comes comes out, and he's like, uh, excuse me, sir, um, do, do you have the time? <laughs> <laughs> so he's not ready to ask this guy. <laughs> yeah, it ain't going to happen. Is that stuff happened uh, to you guys before? Ask somebody to buy alcohol or have yeah, somebody or, ask or, us to buy alcohol. Or have somebody, either way. Not... A stranger, no. No. Not yeah, not a stranger. I've been asked to buy alcohol for, for people before. For, for strangers. Stranger. Yeah. 
from a stranger before yep and and for legal reasons i ain't, i'm not gonna tell you what i did <laughs> okay but I'm, i made some money <laughs> well he should have pulled what the uh the next guy he asks did i, sh- I should have <laughs> so <laughs> this um less respectable guy comes up and so you know toad decides to ask him um he's like can you can you buy some old harpers for me i uh I lost my ID, my ID in a in a flood, <laughs> and his uh, this guy says, "Oh no, I I lost my wife too, but her name wasn't ID, and it wasn't in a flood." Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so he goes in. Were you gonna say something? No. Um, he goes in the, to the liquor store with Toad's money, and uh, Toad notices he's grabbed some wine and put it. He's like, "Not the wine," <laughs> and he turns. And around and the guy's gone and so he wanders in and it's like hey does this guy come in here this old guy and he's like yeah he went out the back door so he just took <laughs> toad's money bought himself some more liquor or wine and left that's that's my hero <laughs> and so terry tries to uh you know he's like oh i'll just be sneaky um give me this 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 some old harper liquor this 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 and the guy bags it all up and he's like, oh, do you have uh, an ID for the liquor? <laughs> and Toad's like, yeah, I, uh, you want to say I, it? I, he says, I left it in my in my car, and I forgot my car. <laughs> <laughs> I also <laughs> forgot the car. Oh, man, that's good stuff. So he, he, he leaves. Um, he has the bag of stuff, and he goes you know, out to Debbie and hands it to her. He's like, oh, great, you got it. And... She opens the bag and it's not in there. It's just all the other junk he bought. <laughs> and he's like, I, well, the guy, I only have a 50 and he couldn't break it. Can I borrow a dollar? She's like, the guy's supposed to pay. I can't believe this. <laughs> but she gives in. Um, he goes back. Another guy comes over. He's like, excuse me, sir. And he's like, let me guess. You lost your ID. <laughs> he's like, yes, please. Some old Harpers. Um, guy goes in. Next thing you know, he's running out. He chucks the bottle to him. And the shop owner runs out and starts firing his gun. Starts shooting. (laughs) What is happening? And and so, yeah, Terry and uh, um, Debbie have their liquor. um, And they're able to to go off. And, uh, you know, we got some more jumping around here. Um, anything else about the liquor store scene? Because that is definitely one of the funniest <laughs> scenes in the movie. Uh, no, I just I had no idea what was going on with the shooting. What happened? Because they definitely brown bagged the old Harper, so that was good to go. Did he like <laughs> slap him in the face? Like I'm not paying for this. It's for the little kid outside the door. So come, Jerry, let me shoot you. I'm not gonna yell at the kid who takes the old Harper. <laughs> I know he kid. runs right past the guy. He runs right past him. Yeah, and he shoots this guy. He's like, all right, well, I'm just gonna go back at my liquor store, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene. Um, so from there, we jump to to John and Carol at the uh, the car graveyard, and you know he's kind of just talking about all these other great drivers in town, great you know uh, vehicles they've owned too, and just the the bad things that have happened to them. Um, you know the the car crashes, the drunk drivers. Um, you know, kind of, kind of foreshadowing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's like, "But you're a great driver." 
Um, and he's, he t- says, you know, I've had plenty of times I almost rolled the card too. So he kind of is seeing, you know, that it's probably, if he keeps doing what he's doing, it's probably going to happen to him too. So, um, then we, uh, we have the great pretender also song playing at this time too. Another great, great song. There's just so many good songs, um, on the soundtrack, which is why I chose this movie. So. Hey, fantastic. Alex, you fit the theme. 41 <laughs> songs on the soundtrack. All, <laughs> all of them are hits. Thanks. Every one. You're better than, better than me at picking it because I can't remember uh, how many tracks there were, but it was not 41. So, on Nick a, and Nora. Yeah, you need a trophy. Yeah, you blew it. Uh, <laughs> um, then we jumped I didn't to Kurt. This was a contest. You didn't know that. I did not. <laughs> we're gonna get some of the balloons for whoever wins. Oh dang! Stop. I missed Stop. out on my balloons. No, not balloons, doubloons. It's a treasure hunt. <laughs> it's gonna be a. It's I gonna like be the balloons a, better. It's gonna be a balloon of a, of a doubloon. It's gonna be <laughs> a doubloon, a doubloon balloon. Gosh. Um. Anyway, we jump to to Kurt. He's uh, you know, he's kind of just given up on on the night for at least for a bit. He's chilling on a car outside of a. A store who's play, that's playing, you know, TVs out the window. Watching some, watching some old, uh, old, old boob tube while he's sitting on top of a, a car. And and whose car Off is of, it? On yes. a, on a boob car. On a boob car, more like a pharaoh car. It's a uh, Gil 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 Gonzalez's car. Gil Gonzalez is that Gil Faison's cousin? Gil Faison. Um. So these three. Uh, you know, very intimidating-looking guys. Well, I, I don't well, know the little short, but... <laughs> I wouldn't say they're all intimidating. Definitely one or two of them are. Um, come and stand around him very close and ask him, you know, what car, whose car he's sitting on. He's like, you know Gil Gonzalez? No? Well, this is his car. And, uh, you know, find out that he's part of the Pharaohs, this um, gang... Um, so to speak, in town. Gangs are, na- are naughty, Mr. Kurt. And so, uh, you know, he's, Kurt's like, oh, let me hop off the car and I'll head on my way. But they're like, where do you think you're going? And, uh, you know, they, you they tell it. him. You scuffed the car. Take a look at that. You see that? Um, so they're like, you need to come with us or uh, we're going to tie you to the back of the car and drag you. <laughs> And uh, he's like, you guys are the Pharaohs, right? Do you know uh, Toby Juarez? He's in the Pharaohs. I'm like, so, yeah, yeah, we know Toby. We dragged him we, last night. Yeah, yeah, we tied him to the car and dragged him. <laughs> um, so he uh, he's stuck with the Pharaohs for a little while and st- goes it off to ride with them. Um, and I also love the other two lackeys uh, of the Pharaohs start to jump with the car. He's like, I called Shotgun. He's like, you he's can't like, call shotgun all night. He's like, when did you do that? But he's like, before we, before you got here. Oh yeah, <laughs> my next, my comment was, guy doesn't know how shotgun works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Um, and I really like the next part. You have uh, you kind of jump between 
the Pharaohs and Carol and Milner, they're talking about a uh, Wolfman Jack and he's got like, he's like an urban legend about him. Um, you know, everybody wants to be him. Um, you know, they're talking about oh, one day I'm going to be Wolfman Jack. And, uh, is this the like part where they're talking about, uh, where they broadcast from? Right. And how like they broadcast all over the world. Apparently. Like, no, yeah, like he's like right he's up. in some, he's in some blimp or something broadcasting all over yeah. the place. Um, yeah, and the other guy's like, no, I, he's got a station right outside of town. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a big old antenna. So you can see it. It's flashing. Kurt's probably like, huh, interesting. I might need to uh, to look into that. Not really, but that's probably <laughs> what he's thinking. <laughs> He's probably busy sitting on a car thinking about uh, what he did bad. Well, when he gets thrown in the car with the pharaohs, he sees the white T-bird again. Oh, yeah. And right. it's like he can't follow her because he's stuck with these guys now. Is this where he hears the uh, theory that she's a uh, lady Prostitute. of the night? Oh, yep. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, he hears that. He also, we didn't mention this when he's with Wendy and Bobby. Bobby's like, I know her. She's. She's married to somebody, so she's got urban legends about her, too. Interesting, interesting. Um, and then, yeah, with John John and uh, Carol, um, <laughs> I can't remember what the context is, but at one point, Carol's like, well, don't worry, I won't rape you, or something like that. I mean, she doesn't say <laughs> it with that um, inflection. She's like, don't worry, I won't rape you. <laughs> Uh, the, my comment on that was Carol shoots her shot. <laughs> <laughs> she tries and, and it doesn't work at all. And this is when a car pulls up alongside them and chucks a water balloon in. A water balloon. Misses John and hits Carol right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and they got to get um, revenge. I know. She's like, pull, hurry, pull up, up to the red light and let's you jump out and flatten their tires. And that's I wasn't sure what like he was doing. Much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is he taking off the little caps off the tires so they, like, you don't have a cap on the air hose part now? What is he doing? I wasn't sure. But uh, Carol's over there spraying it with some shaving cream at their windows, which is a pretty good prank. And maybe it was easier to uh, flatten tires back then. Maybe that's all you had to do is take the cap off. So Maybe what we didn't see was he had a knife and he's slicing them. No. <laughs> well then yeah when they drive away the those two tires on that side are completely flat and man is was that really uh the right escalation for a this water, uh, water balloon, balloon? bro <laughs> you can't let that shit slide come at me with the water balloon see what happens yeah so oh, that's uh that's, that's a little that is johnny be good by the way which is the classic song is that by uh michael j fox Marty, Marty McFly. McFly, you mean? I don't know who no, that is. No, wait. He wasn't going by Marty McFly at that point. No, he was going by uh, Calvin Klein, right? But Calvin Klein. called him Marty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Makes sense. And then he's like, hey, Chuck, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> know that new sound you've been looking for? <laughs> All right. Um, so this is the Back to the Future episode. <laughs> We can um, just talk yeah, about the, the train from Back to the Future 3 real quick. I'm just kidding. I don't want to talk about it. 
So we uh, we jump from them to uh, to Toad and Debbie. You know, they've taken their old Harpers in the car and they've dr- driven out of the the town, um, out to a field. Yeah, I said, uh, all right, Toad, get you some, boy. <laughs> I wrote, get it, Toad. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are on the same wavelength. I just wrote Toad Hunts, which... <laughs> toad Hunts. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Tig- not old. Tiger Hunts, but the Toad Hunts. Oh, gosh. He brag. He's bragging to Debbie. He's like, "Yeah, I got. I I used to raise horses. I take them hunting. Um, and I also have a jeep too. It's got a gun rack for hunting." <laughs> <laughs> and then Debbie's like, "Oh, why would you kill all these little animals?" He's like, "Well, I just I shoot. I figure with shooting bears, they're, it's either me or them." Because <laughs> yeah. doesn't he say that he had to trade in his pony, his horses, to get the jeep, <laughs> to get the car that they're yeah, driving? Yeah, the car. Yeah. Um, and so Toad and Debbie, you know, he's obviously charming her and the, uh, the old Harper's is probably helping it out too. Um, they start to get, get down have some fun in the car and they're having a hard time. At least Toad is having a hard time in the car. Toad is Um, not not groovy, man. (laughs) Toad is like, let's get out of the car. (laughs) I got a blanket in the back. Let's go over to the field. Let's walk That's away from have, the car where it's nice. We'll leave it running with the radio playing. It's Nothing bad will happen. Well, and wasn't he, like, worried because he thought somebody was, like, driving around? And wouldn't that be worse if you're outside in the open? You would think. He thought, he thought somebody it, was driving around? Yeah, wasn't that the whole reason that he wanted to move to the field? He was like, I think I heard blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, because... P- Two people walk by their car. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So Which, there's people walking around right there. Let's get out. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and then from there, we uh, hop back to Kurt and the Pharaohs, and they've stopped off at a, uh, a pinball shop. Mm. Um, they, and they're they like, need some you, gas. Yeah, cars run out of gas. It's like, well, they don't sell gas here. Well, we also ran out, out of money. money. So they're going to rob quarters. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the guy working there is like, hey, what are you um, thugs doing? And Kurt recognizes him and, you know, he's able to save face for the pharaohs. And it's um, the guy recognizes Kurt. It's one of the Moose Lodge members. And, you know, he he goes back with the other... um, goes back with him and there's another moose lodge member working there too and they're just building up he's like kurt you're gonna make us all so proud with the scholarship going off to college yeah it seemed like this other guy al i think his name was is the guy that decided that kurt is the one who got the scholarship for the moose blood he's like the guy who voted like that's what i got the vibe of did you say moose right. blood isn't that what it was oh i'm thinking about the band moose blood i'm sorry moose blood. <laughs> isn't that a band <laughs> that is a band a really good band <laughs> Yeah. What, what, what are we talking like, about? Wait, Moose, Moose Lodge? Blood? Moose Lodge, yeah. Moose Lodge, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Moose Blood. It'd be cool if Moose Blood was like, let's time travel back to the early 60s and we'll give out a scholarship. Oh, my gosh. And the song that was playing during that, by the way, um, I don't know who sings it, but it's that that one is like, sha-na-na-na, sha-na-na-na-na. I think that's the name of it. 
<laughs> Wasn't it like the shoe bop, shoe bop? No, I think that was before with Debbie and um, Terry. Oh, uh, okay. The the one that's like, um, God, I can't even remember who sings that song now. But that's the song that's singing, or that's on at that time. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, he provides cover for the pharaohs. They get their quarters, and then they they had always like, um, it's like take a small piece of this place with you. He's like, I feel like I have because <laughs> he's taking their money. So, um, you know, they're doing a lot of jumping back and forth um, at this part here because we go back to Toad and Debbie. Um, you know, out the field, they finished having their fun and they realize the radio, they can't hear the radio anymore. Um, and they go out and the car has been stolen. It is gone out of here. See you later, car. Now they got to walk. And at around the same time, Steve and Lori are in the area, um, in her car and they're talking, um, and that you know this is another time when i feel like Lori really got to stick it to steve's um you know i'm the man i should you know let me be the man stuff you know and he's like i need he wants to have sex with her one last time before he leaves and he's like you gotta give me something so i don't forget about you um and you know she you you, they kind of lean over and then Steve sits up. He's like, you're not even doing anything. And Lori's like, what? You want it anyway. So he's like, just, or she's like, just do what you want. And kind of really makes him, sticks it to him. Makes him feel like the bad guy he's being in this moment. I don't know. It made me really uncomfortable again. I wrote, I wrote, makes me super uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know. That's all I wrote down. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Sorry. I, also I mean, obviously, though. if Steve had just been like, okay, whatever, fine, then that, yeah, that would have <laughs> been very bad. Um, he probably would not well, have been able to be a redeemable character either. Well, he brings up something that she told him, like, with her brother, because Kurt's her brother. And he's like, um, after he's like, the thing, like, you know you want it or whatever. And then he's like, all that stuff that you told me about watching your brother. And then she's like, I told you to never bring that up. And then she kicks him out. So it's like, what did she say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you never find that out. Probably not anything um, good. <laughs> Especially considering the context they're speaking about it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Steve gets kicked out of the car. And, um, you know, he's kind of, they're out of town too. So you're going to find out they're in the same area as Toad and Debbie because Toad and Debbie are walking and Debbie's telling Toad about this guy who killed these two people in this area and uh, also killed a goat or something and moved their body parts around (laughs) and And just freaking Toad out. There Um, are a couple parts throughout this movie where, uh, it was just kind of eerie, the way that the sound kind of worked and stuff. And this is the first yeah. one of those where I kind of noticed that, was where they were talking about the goat the goat killer. Uh, and oh, it's kind of had this this shot of them in the bushes, and it was dark, and it's really dark. You could barely see uh, Steve. Mo- oh, was it Steve? 
uh, moving uh, in the shadows. It's okay, very sure. eerie. I like to when um, Debbie when they're hiding in those bushes and Debbie's like maybe we can see see him kill somebody. <laughs> She's like excited. Yeah. And Till's like, well, I can't see anything. I don't want to see anything. <laughs> and then Debbie like totally just leaves Terry <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like she walks away from. Him. <laughs> um. Yeah, and they you know they come out of the bushes. And that's when they run into into Steve. And Steve's well, like, well, no, Steve. Steve finds them in the bushes because he surprises oh, Terry, he? and then that's that's why I thought it was so funny when Debbie like walked away from Terry because she's like, "Is it safe to come out now?" Like, <laughs> like she's gonna let Terry get taken or taken by the goat killer. <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. Uh, I just noticed that this time too. Um, and Steve's like, "Well, where's my car?" And he's like, "I did." Toad's like, "I didn't want anything to happen to it. I just have it in the garage." And, uh, <laughs> well, Debbie's like, well, our car got stolen and, and he, Steve thinks that she's talking about her car. He has like no idea that he's talking, that she's talking about his car. Yeah. He's like, what kind of yeah. car is it? And then Toad is like, just cuts it off. <laughs> Changes the <laughs> yeah. conversation. It's good stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, they start walking back toward town. And so Toad's, yeah, pretty much just, please don't realize that my, I got your car stolen. Um, and we jump to, to John Milner uh, again, and he is finally run into by um, Bob Falfa. He's got a different um, girl in his car again. <laughs> um, or I guess this is the first time he does, I think. Yep. And, uh, you know, they start talking smack about it. Uh, or, or not smack about it, smack to each other, uh, Milner and um, Falfa do. And Carol's like, oh, I want to get in on this. And she's like, well, your car is <laughs> uglier than I am. Well, that didn't come out right. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote down. That was my note that I wrote down. <laughs> um, like so Carol's, you Carol know, might be my favorite character that I did that quote. <laughs> she's great. I love Carol. Um, and they decide, you know, they have a – off the line quick little race and um you know falfa he wanted to say ford because harrison ford but (laughs) falfa um beats him off the line and then they come to the red light and he runs uh, red light yeah he runs red light and um you know he she's like dang carol says dang he's fast and miller's like he's fast but he's stupid yeah and kind of you wonder what he's thinking Um, so from there, uh, we c- come back to Kurt and the Pharaohs again and they, uh, you know, they're, they have one more task for, for Kurt to do. They see the cop car that that's been hanging out at Jerry's cherry. I think it is. Yeah. Um, all night and they want him to go tie it around the, the rear axle, um, and an- anchor it. Um, so that way when the cop car drives off, the axle gets yanked out from it. I think that was Kurt's idea. Was it Kurt's idea? Yeah. Because they were, like, trying to think of some way to mess with that cop. And then Kurt, like, came up with that idea. And they were, like, so surprised in him. And then they make him do it. Yeah. And I I was thinking, um, you know, if Kurt really didn't want to deal with these Pharaoh guys, he could have just ran up to the cops and be like, hey, these guys are trying to make me do this to your car. 
Um, obviously, he's he's like wanting to impress them, and he doesn't care about the cops. So, but it just seemed like an error in judgment from the Pharaoh's part. I think at this <laughs> at this point in time, I wrote. So is he trying to be a part of the Pharaohs? Did he apply to be a part of the Pharaohs? Because he seems like it's like almost <laughs> an issue. Did he apply? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know he's like, we'll steal you a car coat and we'll have the blood initiation. Yeah, because they're talking about like an initiation and stuff like that. I'm like, is this something that if he's not going to go to college, he's going to become a Pharaoh? It's something he's trying to do. I think thing. he just, he was going along with everything that they were doing, so... Like they and yeah, he didn't to. like try to back off on anything, so they were like, "This guy can really, you know, hang out with us." Yeah, he. W- it's like an involuntary, you know. involuntary, initia- initiation. <laughs> He'd rather be, you know, cool with these guys than, you know, like I I was saying, go rat out to the cops about them. Um. So he, t- he he manages to sneak back there, gets it tight around the axle, and then the pharaohs drive by. Um, cops get ready to chase him down because they're speeding and take off, and that axle just gets ripped out. Um, suck. I saw two Mythbusters tested this um, on an episode and found out that it was possible. So. Nice. I love Mythbusters. Me too. That was a good show. Um, and then, uh, you know, we jump back to to Carol and uh, and John. And, you know, I think John at this point, he's had his interaction with Falfa. He's ready to finally do, you know, get um, get involved with the race with him and see what happens. So he's he knows he needs to get rid of Carol and he comes up with this plan you realize and he starts coming on to carol it looks like um and definitely makes her uncomfortable (laughs) and he pretty much tricks her uh into taking taking him him taking her home (laughs) because she's uncomfortable i put weird but effective (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and uh we also see um, in between, you know, him dropping her off. Steve has um, gone back, gotten back with, you know, Toad and them to uh, to Mel's diner. Um, or did Toad and them get off, get to Mel's? Or did they, they not make Mel's. it all the way there? I, I think got, they uh, got there with him. Yeah. I think it's Kurt Kay. that gets to Mel's diner. Well, he does in a moment, but um, oh, Steve, right, Steve there. is there. Is that when he talks to that waitress? Mm-hmm. Talks to, oh, okay. to Buddha. Buddha, yeah. Um, she comes and then Laurie sees them. Yeah, Laurie sees, and um, that's when she r- runs off. And uh, and then we see um, Kurt get dropped off uh, at Mel's by the pharaohs, and the pharaohs, you know, have told him he's pretty much in. Um, you know they're gonna steal a car coat for him and all that good stuff. Um, and then Lori, she is driving, um, it, you know by herself, and she sees uh, Bob Falfa, and he's by himself now. He doesn't have anybody in the car, and she 
you know, looks very unsure of herself and uncomfortable. And she's like telling him to pull over and she hops into his car with, with him. Um, and and she's sitting talking. all the way. Yeah. yeah. And he's got a Southern accent. And she's like, if you just don't talk at all, this might be okay. <laughs> she's like oh, over next to the door. Mm-hmm. Um, like and then definitely uh, only doing that to make Steed jealous. Yeah. Because she knows that people are going to see her and they're going to tell everybody. Right. And that's how it gets back to Steed. Gossip spreads. And around this time, we have, you know, there's some, there's always some good songs playing, but we also have like Love Potion number nine is a big one that's playing um, during these moments too. Um, and then Milner, um, John drops off Carol at her house and you know she asks for something to remember him by and he gives her his gear shifter that she was asking about um, it's like a ring yeah <laughs> and then he, he kisses her on the cheek too which is really sweet um and you know that's that's the kind of thing that she'll probably always um remember is she got to hang out with the cool cool guy cool older guy and he was a good guy to her um, and then that's, you know, he's gotten himself and then he's going to end up going off to get his car ready to race. Um, and then, yeah, Steve and Kurt uh, run back into each other. This is the first time they've been together, you know, in a while. Um, and at this point, they start using each other's arguments about either staying or going off to school against each other which I thought was really cool because um, Steve's bringing up the stuff Kurt was saying about needing to stay. And Kurt's like, no, you, we don't need to stay. You got to go experience stuff like they're convincing each other. Um, you're starting to see those wheels turn. Um, and then, uh, you know, Kurt gets into his car and Steve's like, where are you going? It's like, uh, it's so early. And then Kurt's like, well, I have a dental appointment. <laughs> uh, and he is off to <laughs> to make uh make an attempt to find the blonde and the white t-bird how would he ever do that she could be anywhere she broadcasts all over the world oh no that's the other person yeah that's the um, man <laughs> are you mistaking the wolf, the wolf man, man Jack and the blonde, the blonde, and the, and the white blonde lady? <laughs> no, of course not. Um, and then, we, yeah, we jump to Teddy. And uh, I don't know where he is or why he's where he is. Um, but he's throwing up from all that, all the liquor. Teddy? Teddy? I mean, Terry. Why did I say Teddy? Terry. <laughs> you got Tiger on the... You, don't, you gotta get Tiger on the brain. He's drunk from all the, from all the alcohol, the bro. The old Harper's? The old Harper. I know that. He's a drinker. But <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he must not drink very much. Oh, he told he likes to drink. He told me. <laughs> he told me. Um, and there's like four or five old people watch them throw up. And it's like four in the morning or something. Yeah, it's like, why are they <laughs> up so late? <laughs> they're, uh, they just got up. They ate their uh, oatmeal. That could they're, be it. Yeah. They're going, they're going out for their day. They hit the bingo hall early. Um, but he sees, uh, Terry sees Steve's car is at this place they're at. Um, 
and he doesn't have the keys, but he's like, I can hotwire it. Yeah, they got to re-steal it. Don't call and, the cops. Uh, they got to take it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's over there in the car trying to get it, and then the two guys who probably stole it um, come by. I imagine, I wonder if it's the same two people who walked by when they were making out in the car, too. I wonder. But uh, they start beating him up, and uh, John Miller is driving by and sees it and pulls off and goes and, you know, saves him. Yeah, and then when Toad's on the ground, he's like, come on, get him, John. He's like, you can get back up and help, Toad. Come on. (laughs) He came and saved you. Well, before that, we saw that John had taken his car to the garage and got his car ready. Yeah, he was fixing his car. So he was, like, getting ready to head out and find that guy. Right. Yeah, and he tells, um, you know, before, um, or is it before uh, this that he's at Mel's diner and then John or Falfa shows up, or is it a little later? It's later. Never mind. I think it's later. Sorry. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Okay, we'll hold on. Um, yeah, and then to you know, Toad when uh, he's like, "Are you okay?" Um, Miller says to him, and he's like, um, "I'll die soon, and it'll it'll all be over." <laughs> Um, so they get, you know, they are able to get the car going and they drive it back to, to Mel's and they pull into the drive through and Toad's like, um, they ask, you know, what could I get for you? He's like, help. Uh, no, two cherry Cokes. <laughs> <laughs> Light ice. And, um, Steve runs out cause he's heard that Lori is with, um, Falfa, Falfa. riding around from some, some two girls and, uh, he takes his car back from from toad to go find her so once again what's funny is debbie's like we just got your car and then he takes it (laughs) (laughs) and that's when he admits that that wasn't his car um and debbie you know he's kind of admitting i don't have a car i just have a vespa and stuff like this and debbie tells him you know she had a really good time tonight you know she's like we got to um Got some of the hard stuff. We saw a um, a holdup. <laughs> um, you know, we you, you got in a really boss fight or something, a bitch and fight. And she's like, I got to watch you throw up. And the actress, really good time. <laughs> the actress who um, you know who plays Lori, I read too. Um, she originally wanted wanted to play Debbie in the movie. Um, and then the Candy Clark who plays Debbie, she was actually nominated for an Academy Award for her role in this movie for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and then so, it, you know, uh, Toad's like, um, well, this is what I do every night. And Debbie's like, well, if I'm not doing anything tomorrow night, give me a call. And then she gives so me a kiss. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um. Yeah, and that's when, you know, uh, Milner's got his car ready and Falfa shows up and Milner just tells him, Paradise Road. Paradise Road. It's going down. But before it can go down, Kurt has to get his message to the the blonde. So he's going to try to find Wolfman. Get his his message on the airwaves. Yeah, so he heads out to the uh, that radio station. Um, the Pharaoh mentioned is just outside of town. He sneaks in. 
ninja like. Um, and looking around, and he somebody sees him. He starts talking to him. He's like, you know, just come around back, and uh, goes back around. Just this, um, you know, kind of guy in his probably his early forties is there. Looks like a wolf man. And uh, he has a slightly gravelly voice, but he's like, no, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not the wolf man. I, I know him, but he doesn't, uh, doesn't work here right now. And he put, puts in a, an eight track that's playing the wolf man's voice. And you know, I was like, before just that, he like, that guy tries to give him a popsicle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's the like, f- the refrigerator just broke. Like, I have a bunch of popsicles. Yeah. He's got a bunch. He keeps trying to give him popsicles. He's like, the freezer's out, man. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Kurt's like, I have this um, dedication I need to to get out there. And he's like, well, I can give it to the Wolfman. He can get it out probably, you know, to Monday or Tuesday or whatever he says. He's like, no, I need it now. And he's like, I'll see what I, I can do for you. He's like, but um, take some of these popsicles. Yeah. And he, he popsicles. He's like, no, no, no. And then he go, <laughs> he shakes his hand and it's all it Kurt, it's sticky. Kurt's, he's like, sorry about that. <laughs> all these popsicles. Um, and as Kurt walks away, he kind of looks back, um, and he sees the guy talking and he hears the Wolfman voice and he realizes, oh, that is the Wolfman. And when he's walking out of the office too, we see a clock and it's got five, almost five o'clock in the morning on it. So it is pretty dang early for them. It's almost time for a Where's Fluffy show. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that that Wolfman show went all night then. It's real crazy. broadcasting, Alex. Not this, <laughs> not this thing that you do. <laughs> um, so we head out to Paradise Road, and uh, the song "Green Onions" is playing, which is just like has that classic instrumental um, to it. And uh, it was one where I was listening. I was like, "What is this song?" When we were watching the movie, and we had to to ask Shazam on Siri what the song was because <laughs> so I really needed to know at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to have Milner versus Falfa and, uh, road, the race of all races. And Lori is still in the car. She, she wanted to get out, but Falfa's like, you've been with, you know, you know, with me all night. You've barely said a word. Just, you know, you're going to stay with me for the race or whatever. And then who's so you're with, a really uh, weird broad. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause she starts um, yelling at him. And the other thing, the third scene that they cut out when I said that they had taken a scene out and put back in is the part when they're riding together and he starts singing um, Some Enchanting Evening or whatever that song is. Um, that was the other thing that they'd cut out and he, George Lucas got them to put back in later on. I would have I been okay with that being cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they're going to race and... Uh, you know, Terry the Toad, the tiger, has come out with them, and he's going to flag them with the flashlight to start the race. And uh, does it, and they take off, and they're hauling. And Falfa well, has... the race starts, John sees that Lori's in the car with Falfa. Oh, right. And he's like, Lori, what are you doing in there? And she's like, mind your own business. So it's like mm. he tried to stop her, but... Get out the car, woman. Doing her own thing. And, uh, yeah, they take off. And Falfa has a blowout. 
on one of his rear tires, slides off the road, and then just rolls the car. Flips it. Um, I wrote, oh, shit, yeah. oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, I wrote, they the, should have died. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Because they weren't wearing any seatbelts. <laughs> maybe they put them on and just didn't show it, hopefully. But, yeah, they come out. It looks like maybe Falfa has a broken arm or something because he's holding his arm, but... That's really looks, it. <laughs> looks to me like Lori is going to beat him up. How dare you crash? I know. Um, yeah, and so Steve shows up right then, too. Um, they head out there to, to get her out, and, you know, Steve and Lori are able to hug, and, you know, um, Steve promises to stay at that moment to Lori. And when Steve gets there and he's running up to the, the crash car, he says, like, damn you, Milner. And that's the only line he has to John Milner throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's that moment when you realize he's not going to go off to school. He's going to he tells Lori he's going to stay. Um, and then Milner is talking with uh, with Toad and he's like, you know, he had me beat. He was just about to to pass me and had that blowout, um, and Toad's like, "No, man, you're you're the, you're the best. You're the fastest." So, you know, Milner sees his legend is um, is fading, but you know, he he keeps he doesn't discourage what Toad is saying. He he lets him keep believing in in that. Um, so. Uh, we go to Kurt. He's sitting outside Mel's diner. Um, his he hears his message has been, you know, talked about on the radio, and it's, mm-hmm. hey, if you're the blonde and the the white T-bird, come by Mel's diner or call the um, the number for the payphone right outside. And that's Diamond three one three two. I wrote that down. <laughs> that's the phone number. Did you call it? <laughs> I'm not even sure how you call. How that. do you call that? <laughs> uh, hey Siri. Call Kurt. He's at Mel's Diner. Diamond <laughs> 3132. <laughs> oh, okay. <So>. Duh. <laughs> um, and what do you know? The phone starts ringing. The payphone. Kurt's, Man. Kurt's uh, pretty exhausted in the car, but he finally hears it and jumps out and goes and answers it very uh, um, crazily. He's like, hello, hello. It's me. It's Kurt. Um, and it's uh, it's her. She's called him. And, uh, you know, he wants to see her t- that day. T- you know, that's when you kind of he's like, I need to see you now. I'm, I'm not going to be here. Um, and, you know, she tells Kurt, um, you know, just I'll be cruising around tonight. Um, come see me. She's about third. Mm hmm. Um, and you know, Kurt hangs up and you know, that he kind of, he's, he tried. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's where we kind of jump from, from there to, to the airport. Everybody's at the airport waiting for Kurt to go on his plane. And that's when we have the song, good night, sweetheart. Um, and the, but 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 yeah, I wrote. Sean and I question mark. It's uh what's up, hot dog? Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that, you're gonna summon him. 
<laughs> um, shout out to Comedy Bang Bang and Andy Daly. Um, yeah, so Kurt's Kurt's gonna go off to school, and Steve is going to stay. They've done a complete 180 on uh, on their situations from the beginning of the night. They've done like a life swap. <laughs> Not exactly. Um, and they, you know, Kurt says goodbye to uh, you know his parents. Um, are there uh, Steve and Lori and then also Toad and Milner and uh, Toad's glasses are, it was well, one lens is completely shattered. <laughs> oh my too. gosh. I didn't notice that. I didn't. Um, and so, yeah, he goes off to the plane, um, hops in and it takes off on a magic carpet airlines. And uh, he looks out the window and he sees the white T-bird driving by that's interesting was it like following him was it following the plane is that what they're implying it's interesting or that you know it was always just uh i always wonder too if it was just like a figment of you know something he was imagining well in like the trivia i read that um that george lucas wanted that to be like a like the t-bird wasn't a real person like it was just a figment of kurt's imagination um and they like ran out of money to film like a scene at the beginning of the movie um to show that she like it drives through a drive like an empty drive-in and so they didn't go with that part of the story but i guess it was supposed to be that but they didn't have enough time or money that's interesting with all the legends around this person that is only in one person's mind um so yeah from from there the end of the movie they have a a title card you know what happens to our characters and we see that john milner um gets killed by a drunk driver Mm. so you know what he you know always thought would happen is you know it catches up to him um and a few years later he gets killed by a drunk driver um terry the toad the tiger um it goes missing in action in uh, Vietnam during the war. Um, Steve uh, stayed in California and just became an insurance agent. And Kurt became a writer in Canada. Um, And I like to imagine it's the same character from Stand By Me. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you do. But what happened Um, to all the female characters? I know, that's... That's a big criticism. Um, George Lucas said that the studio wanted him to put a um, a title card in for Lori and Debbie and them, um, but he didn't want to because he could not have fit it on the same one, and he didn't want to add a s- second title card. Very stupid excuse. How dare women have their own title card? I think um, I think he could have at least fit Lori in there. You could have cut um, out that or singi- singing scene and have the title card in there the end he could have even put steve and laurie together or something like that yeah um depending i guess if they stayed together you know who knows he didn't mention that at all in steve's um and that is it hops to credits and we hear all summer long by the beach boys for the the credit song boys and free my soul that's not right (laughs) (laughs) and i i really like um when it rolls through the credits you know just like you see now it shows the songs and it shows them grouped by what record label they came from. And it, it shows how much they, you know, had to, they had to pay all these different record labels for this music. Um, 
and you know George Lucas really made a, a big effort to get these songs um, and that is American Graffiti um, so real quick I just wanted to throw in that um, I don't know if you guys know this but George Lucas when he wrote this um, each of the the main characters the, like the guys was like a part of his history because like um, in his like freshman year of school or high school or something he was like a nerd and so that's Terry and then as he got older he became like a hot rod kind of guy and that was John and then Kurt and Steve are kind of his later like college years so it's like they represent a piece of his growing up that's really and cool. I thought that was I know cool that is cool and you know what I think one thing that really speaks to me is I really feel um, a lot of each of these characters too um, you know I, I had that nerdy side to myself I have a lot less of the John Milner side to myself, but I like to um, think of myself, uh, you know, as uh, a hot shot sometimes um, when it comes to just mostly the nerdy stuff. <laughs> but uh, and then obviously the um, do I go to school? Am I wasting my time doing that? Do I need to stay here? I've fought with that for a long time. So I, I, I really um, this movie speaks to me and I think that's the reason I really like it. I'm constantly uh, drag racing my yellow car, so I relate <laughs> as well. Yeah, that sounds a lot like somebody from this movie. Toast? Well, it was a really good pick. I really do like the soundtrack as well, so it was really good. I agree. Yeah, um, Yeah. so to wrap wrap up, um, you know, first I kind of want to just the, the legacy of this movie. It's one that... Uh, it spawned a sequel called More American Graffiti that brought back a lot of the the same actors and characters. It was actually Ron Howard's last um, feature film that he is credited in. Um, he's made some appearances in movies later on as cameos and th those sorts of things that he's not credited in. And this was in 1979. So from here, you know, he's just been a, more of a filmmaker, that director and stuff. But the, uh, the sequel was very... Um, uh, poorly received it got bad reviews and it definitely wasn't the f the original um but it's w uh, the type of movie that uh the city it was filmed in um you know has really kind of um bought into this movie and it's uh, left a big legacy on on that area too there was no graffiti in the movie um <laughs> what, what's up with that It's um, it's a symbol. It's a metaphor. This, the cars and everything. That's American graffiti. I was hoping George Lucas was gonna be on a, on a train to spray paint the crap out of it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, what did uh you know kind of go around? What um were your views on the movie? Would you recommend it? Um. You know how would you review it? That sort of thing. Um. You want to start, with Kristen? Um, I mean, I would definitely recommend it. It's, it's like a, a classic movie to watch. Um, what was the other part that I was supposed to do? We usually um, have been given our letterbox star ratings. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, let's see. I think I gave this five stars, didn't I? Let me see. 
yeah, I gave it five stars. Um, it's up there as one of my favorite movies. It's just good all around. And the soundtrack's amazing. So I gave it five stars out of five. Awesome. Jake? I, I had a little of a bit of a different take on it. I gave it the old, uh, the old three stars out of five. Um, I thought it was interesting. I got really intrigued in the movie. I was kind of... I, I, I related to the characters a, uh, a good amount. Uh, there were some parts that were humorous. The uh, ID part was funny and a couple other parts. Um, but for me, I just... I got super uncomfortable in multiple places and just kind of... It was very strong, the uncomfortableness that I felt in the places that I felt it. Uh, and the whole 19, 1960s... In your, in your genitals? In my genitals. <laughs> I Look... I was rock hard the whole movie. I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> um, no, I uh, I don't know. I just got uncomfortable. Um, and the whole not the 1960s pow- like the the vibe between uh, the power dynamics between the male and female, it was just a little overpowering for me. And just kind of I don't know everything that we have, the, everything that we know now about kind of the dynamics between women and men, the catcalling thing, and then the part mm-hmm. where it's like I'm just gonna lay here while you have your way with me. I don't know. I just got really uncomfortable. A lot of times. Well, the movie. and yeah, and I mean, it's a time capsule movie for sure. Um, yeah. I will say the lay here. I don't think she really meant that. Well, I, I think, but I think she, that she would have just done that. I think I think if he started yelling at her the same way he did when he was in the dance, you know, I don't know. I feel like if a man started yelling at a woman like that in 1950s and was, you know, about to go. I don't know. I could see it happening. Yeah. I think she knew that he wouldn't. And she was just trying to guilt trip him with it, too. I think a lot of people say, I think a lot of women might say that, oh, no, he would never do that. And then. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but. I just got. I could what happened? That. I could yeah. say going in that direction. I, I guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. So. Okay. Um, and your recommendation for the movie. Yeah, you should watch it. It was uh, nominated for Best Picture, you know. So. Feel free to watch it. Three stars on my part, though. So I also wrote that I might, I might re- like if I were to rewatch it sometime in the future, I might enjoy it more. But just first watching it, you know, not really knowing what to expect. I don't know. Three gotcha. stars. I think that's that's solid. That's above average. So, um, yeah, for me, um, it's a it's a five star movie. Um, it's the coming of of age um, movie that is probably one of my favorite genres. And like I said, the characters um, speak to me. I love the time capsule element. Um, You know that, and I mentioned earlier, we talked about missing these sorts of things and that nostalgia for something that you never experienced. Um, I definitely feel that with this movie. And then young Richard Dreyfuss, man, he just, he does it for me. I don't know why. (laughs) um but yeah five stars i definitely recommend this movie um i'm not a big movie rewatcher. i usually don't rewatch movies that often but this is one i could see um definitely being one of my favorites um so yeah definitely highly recommend so uh that wraps up our theme our first theme um of great movie soundtracks Oh, man. Um, so from here, we are ready to introduce our next theme for three movies. And we will be st- 
um, swinging it over to Kristen to pick a theme, and she can pick the first movie as well. Um, so I was wanting to actually choose like a mocu- like mockumentary films um, for my theme because I thought that'd be fun to do. Um, and <laughs> um, I picked it because I recently watched um, Best in Show, and I'd never seen that before. Um, and it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, and so I read that a lot of the actors from that show or that movie were in This is Spinal Tap. And I want to see that. So I figured I would just choose that for the next theme. So mockumentary. And my first choice is, or the first choice, which is mine, is This is Spinal Tap. Awesome. Interesting. I've never heard of that. I am trying to think of what a mockumentary is. You never heard of This is Spinal Tap? Nope. Um, Mockumentary is like Borat and... Okay, that's what I was thinking. uh, Bruno, uh, Pop Stars one. Okay. You know what that is, but you don't know what This is Spinal Tap? Yeah, I've never heard of that. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. I've never seen it either. So I know it's one of those movies that I have on my Letterboxd watch list too, so... It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so that does it. About f- this mockumentary, man. I know. Borat, man. That's where it's at. I, I, love, just, I haven't I seen should, that in a I while. Just pick Borat. And then you can pick Borat, too. <laughs> Borat also? Borat. Subsequent movie film. <laughs> oh, I, w- I want to watch Borat twice. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, you can do that on your own time. <laughs> I'm gonna watch. Uh, I'm just gonna watch the scene where he buys the ice cream truck over and over again. <laughs> and he gets the bear inside of it. Okay, that's a good one. Um, awesome. That does it for this episode. Um, we are on Twitter. Uh, you can follow our podcast. Uh, that is at I'll Take Three, and it's I L L Take Number Three Podcast. I'll Take Three Podcast. Um, we have our individual Twitter accounts as well. I, mine is at Alex Expressed. I am at Jacob Dukesher. And I am at I am Kristen One. She still doesn't know her. I know. Name. I had to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. And. You know, these podcast episodes, I know we've been banking them. They'll start having those coming out soon. So, you know, if you're listening in, we would love some feedback. Um, you know, send it, send us some, some feedback either, you know, by um, Twitter DMs, either to the show account, personal accounts, whatever the case may be, anything um, to help us improve and keep the show going. We would appreciate it. As well as uh, if you are listening, uh, if you're listening on iTunes or that, feel free to rate and review us as well. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, another awesome podcast. Um, it was fun talking with you guys. I'm excited to watch Spinal Tap, and we'll see you all next week. This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you. I really must say, oh, good night. Sweetheart, good night.